ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. I was really interested uh, earlier uh, last week sometime when I saw a string of uh, tweets from Sky Jathani uh, talking about declining church attendance. And uh, one of the reasons this is so interesting to me is because I find this being a topic of conversation among pastors, uh, particularly uh, all over the country. Why is it that church attendance tends to be sporadic? And one of the, the declines that we see is not just that you have people who don't go to church, but you have people who will go to church, say, once a month and not think that this is a problem. Christian people who think, yeah, once a month I'll go or once every two weeks or, or so forth. So when I saw the string of tweets by Sky Jathani about this, about using economic theory to try to give a, a reason why church attendance is waning right now, I was really interested in it. I don't think I agree completely with Sky on this, but I thought, why not have him on the, on the show and let's talk about it and see whether or not we agree on this or not. Most of you be familiar with Sky Jathani. He is the co-host of the Phil Vischer Show. He has written lots and lots of books, and the, the newest one is called What's Wrong with Religion? Nine Things No One Told You About Faith. So you ought to check that out. Sky Jathani, welcome to Signposts. Thank you. I'm grateful to be with you. Now, I can't do what Phil Vischer does and welcome you on with a ukulele and a little song. I could try, but it probably wouldn't go very well. So I'll just say welcome to Sunbo. I actually really appreciate you not having the ukulele. Thank hey, you. but but lay off of Phil Vischer's <laughs> ukulele. That ukulele makes the show. You take that away, shame him out of that ukulele, uh, many of us will be very, very sad. All right. Well, for, for your sake, I will I will be merciful. Okay. Now, this is uh, the, the conversation we're having today. Is you, you put up a series of a thread of tweets last week, and you said, let's talk declining church attendance and basic economic theory. And then you, you, you went through giving a, a reason for one, one reason, at least, why you think church attendance might be sliding. Can you explain that to us, what, what your reasoning is? Yeah, let, let me... Um 
preface my comments with a few things. Number one, I'm not an economist. Number two, uh, this was not a completely watertight, thought-through argument that was written in some kind of academic paper. This right. is a series of tweets. Right. So it was right. never meant to be a comprehensive. Understood. Com- complete. I mean, there are a lot of factors that are going into declining church attendance. And I simply wanted to highlight one that I felt a lot of pastors were ignoring in these conversations. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by basic economic theory is simple supply and demand. And the two other things I'll, I'll add into the mix here. Uh, one you already mentioned a little bit. There was a study released by Barna not too long ago, and they have data going back decades where they ask people, are you a regular church attender? And if somebody responds yes, then they follow up by asking, well, how often are you at church? Hmm. And 30 years ago, if somebody said, yes, I'm a regular church attender, they were on average attending church twice a week. Yeah. Today, if somebody acknowledges that they are a regular church attender, they usually say they attend about twice a month. So the goalposts have shifted in our own minds about what we think being a regular church attender is. So how do you factor in for that decline? And then um, the other piece is more of a historical one. I was a history major undergrad, and I love looking at these things kind of on a macro level rather than just in a tiny time frame. And every time there has been a dramatic uh, adjustment in communication technologies, it has deeply affected the church, going all the way back to its origin. I mean, you could argue that the the road system created by the Roman Empire was a communication technology innovation because it allowed news and information to spread in a way it never had before, which allowed— Including some the, New Testament epistles. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that formed the church. And then in the Protestant Reformation with the printing press, access to the written scriptures became much more prevalent, education grows— and preaching comes to the forefront as a centerpiece of Christian worship, at least in the Protestant tradition, whereas prior to that, it had been heavily focused on sacrament, the Eucharist, more visual elements of worship. And so you take that whole thing together, and I would argue that we are seeing another revolution in communication technology with digital communication, and um, that is changing the basic supply and demand for the teaching of Scripture. So in the past, there was a high demand for engaging Scripture and having it taught to us, and there was very limited supply. So you would give a biblical education to the you know most intelligent person in town, you put a robe on them and say, we'll show up once a week to listen to you teach us the Scriptures. And a lot of people went, high demand, low supply. And today, I think the economics are actually reversing where at any moment I can get access to phenomenal Bible teaching from a hundred different sources through my smartphone, mm-hmm. through YouTube, through podcasts. And there's really bad teaching out there, but there is really good teaching out there. So there's a massive supply of it. At the same time, demand in our culture for engaging Scripture is going down. So you look at that model that's been in place for 500 years since the Reformation and it made sense that people would show up on a Sunday morning to hear a sermon. Mm-hmm. And I think today people have so many outlets to get good Bible teaching that showing up on Sunday morning simply for the sermon doesn't hold the same amount of uh, attractional pull as it once did. And that's a significant challenge, especially for the church traditions that rely on the sermon as being the centerpiece of Sunday morning. And maybe a little bit less uh challenging to traditions that have the Eucharist or sacrament or community or some other aspect of the Christian gathering 
as being the centerpiece. And I, in no way am I trying to diminish the importance of teaching. I think it's outrageously important to make disciples. I just think we need to be honest about how the economics of it are changing and what we may need to do to adjust the way we think about why people are coming on Sunday morning. I guess the main thing that I would take issue with there is the fact that it just doesn't seem to me that we have uh, church people who are overly saturated with Bible uh, knowledge, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both in terms of, of the church. I mean, if you go, if you just drive around and you just go to some some random Protestant church and, and walk in, probably what you're going to find is not thick Bible teaching, but sort of um, here are some practical tips for, for life living. Uh, yeah. and some moralism, some psychotherapy, and and so forth. So I, I think that would be the primary place where I would say, eh, I don't really think that too much preaching is our problem. It's, <laughs> in, in many cases, too little uh, preaching, or at least right. too little substantive preaching. I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, make the comparison to our diet as Americans. We have access to an awful lot of food, and a really, really good healthy food if we want it, but yeah. most of us still opt for really unhealthy food and fast food. Um, but the issue I think you're bringing up is that the quality of teaching people are exposed to is not great in general. There's a lot of, of fast food Bible teaching out there. And it isn't that they're oversaturated with really good healthy food, but there's a lot of convenient fast food, fast Bible teaching that's out there that you know people have access to. Mm-hmm. So whether they're getting it at a, in a church setting or they're getting it from a podcast or a radio station or a YouTube channel or whatever, the the mindset is, if I have any interest whatsoever in what I think is Bible teaching, whether it's good or bad, I don't have to show up to a church on Sunday morning to get it anymore. Yeah. I can get it from a million other outlets anytime I want, anywhere I want. So I'm not making a judgment about the quality of yeah. the teaching. I mean, people, we desperately need really good quality teaching, and I think there's some wonderful sources for that, both in the church and through Christian media, most people aren't choosing it. Just as most people don't choose really good, healthy food. Yeah. Um, but we need to factor in the availability and the saturation of that content when we think about why aren't people showing up. But one of the tweets I included in that stream was, to not consider this as a factor it would be like trying to explain why people don't go to bookstores anymore without ever talking about Amazon. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things uh, that uh, that is a piece of this is the fact that we do have many people who assume uh, that church is about downloading uh, either some sort of information or some sort of experience uh, mm-hmm. that they could go and, and find elsewhere, rather than seeing the church as something in the worship gathering itself as being a, a spiritual uh, experience, so that as Jesus promises, two or three gather together, I'll be with you. In the book of Hebrews, you've come to Mount Zion, that there's a, a sense in which the, the preaching event is different in a gathered, incarnational, live worship service than simply getting information from a book or, or, or from a podcast. 
just as the congregational singing, instructing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, is different in a gathered group of people gathered together than it is listening to worship songs uh, in the car and, and singing along with them. I think we've lost that sense of, of what makes the gathering itself different from simply equipping me for the rest of the week. I could not agree with you more. And this is where our evangelical tradition, I think, has, it's been an unintended consequence of our commitment to utilizing whatever media is available to us or whatever medium is available to us in order to advance the spread of the gospel. That's a good instinct. Mm -hmm. The unintended consequence has been over the last hundred years, as we've used radio and television and the internet, um, what we've inadvertently communicated to people is that the medium doesn't matter. And all that matters is message. And we do it even when we do gather in some of our churches. Some of us have zero incarnate real communion with the people around us. We're just looking at a giant screen of some guy preaching that may have been recorded in another location in the country. So we've disincarnated, and the irony is, of all people, we should not be people of disincarnation. We should be people of incarnation. But our own tradition of the Church has disincarnated it and inadvertently communicated that the message is what's most important, and how you get it, or where you get it, or when you get it, doesn't matter at all. And that's undermined the very value of gathering that now we're all kind of freaking out about, because people aren't showing up in the Church. But everything we've reinforced over the last hundred years has told them the incarnate gathering is secondary or irrelevant. Yeah. Well, and uh, as someone who used to teach preaching, one of the things that would drive me crazy is when uh, there would be someone coming up, preaching a sermon, learning to preach, who had this uh, this manuscript with point by sub point by sub sub point, who would just sort of narrate his way through it. Okay, now I'm going to illustrate something for you. Now I'm going to give to you point number three. And uh, I, I used to think, well, why not just just email it to me? Uh, Because there's not this sense of, uh, I'm standing here as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, speaking on his behalf uh, from the scriptures to you. And so I I do think there's a sense in which that sermon as informational download, uh, Mm -hmm. and again, usually that's not the actual content of scripture. Uh, A lot of times it's your best life now. But I I do think that that's a piece of it for sure. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a preacher as well. I'm an ordained pastor, and you know there are those temptations because of the technology available to us now to just create these canned messages that can apply anywhere. And there's a place for broad teaching. I mean, Paul wrote his letters, and they were circulated broadly, even though they were written to specific communities. Mm-hmm. But there's something really uh, beautiful and prophetic, even Christ-like, when a pastor steps out from within a community that he or she belongs to and brings God's Word to bear on the immediate realities of that community. That's what a shepherd does. Yeah. They bring God's Word into the reality of, the, of that, that flock, and that takes relationship, it takes incarnation, it takes presence, it takes an awareness of what it is these sheep are facing in their lives. I remember one time I was visiting a church out of state where I was preaching, and there was just a, a strange spirit over this congregation, and, and I, I, it just my message wasn't resonating. And I found out later from one of the elders that the week prior to that, one of the elders of the church had tragically committed suicide. Mm. And I thought to myself, why on earth am I preaching? I should not be preaching here this week. They yeah. need their pastor. 
come in and speak God's word into the the pain of this community right now. They don't need a visiting speaker to come in who had no idea what was going on. And so something gets lost when we disincarnate the the ministry leadership from the people they're called to lead. And and preaching is a significant element of that kind of leadership. So again, a, a lot of this is not just about Bible teaching or understanding and learning scripture. It's also about shepherding people with the wisdom of God's word yeah. through relationships. Well, and one of the things also that, that I've noticed across the country is the loss of adult Sunday school or the equivalent of adult Sunday school, uh, which in many Protestant traditions was the the time for intensive Bible teaching uh, being replaced increasingly by small groups, uh, cell groups that are good and and serve a a good purpose, but usually aren't there uh, in terms of grounding people in in the content of Scripture. Yeah, and I, and I don't know entirely what to do about that. I mean, one approach would be to, to kind of take a hard line and and uh, almost guilt people into the importance of going to a Sunday school class on Sunday. Yeah, Maybe there's a place for that. Another tactic, one that I wish I saw happening in more churches, is um, you know, people in my own church, again, based on that research by Barna, if people are showing up twice a month, that means at most they're probably getting 60 minutes of hopefully good Bible teaching directly from their church and church leaders any given month. But chances are they're engaging in all kinds of Christian media throughout the month, whether it's radio or podcasts or books or whatever, and the local church isn't helping them curate that content at all. Yeah. So they're not, they're not discerning between what's really good and what is junk food or even heretical. So I think those of us who are called the shepherd congregations need to shepherd the reality that our people are in and figure out ways to curate content for them and say, hey, look, this is content that's available out there from these sources that we think is really, really strong. Mm. Here's a podcast we recommend. Here are the curricula we recommend, the books, the, the, the video series. And we want to give you a, a significantly large enough playground to move in, to, to explore Scripture and learn that we have confidence is going to give you a good foundation of biblical instruction, rather than just releasing people at noon on Sunday out into this crazy, chaotic, media-filled Christian subculture and say, good luck to you. I hope you yeah. don't pick up anything too heretical. Yeah. And what you're meaning here is not some sort of authoritarian uh, imprimatur or, or index of forbidden books, but uh, saying these are the sorts of resources that we think are out there that are consistent with what we're attempting to inculcate here at our church. Check these out. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, various levels of instruction. I mean, if you have small group leaders, you can say, well, here is the list of curricula that we want you to choose from when you're leading, because you have some authority and, and important role to play in our congregation, but all the way down to the children's ministry and parents and helping them think through, you know, what books should we be reading with our kids? What kind of family devotional should we do? Um, and occasionally there may be something that yeah, you, you run the red flag up and say, hey, this might not be best, or we think this is kind of off the reservation. Yeah. But no, I'm not talking about you know hosting book burnings in our church parking lots. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been to a few of those burnings. It weren't for books, <laughs> but for uh, cassette tapes back in the 80s, oh, yeah. you know, the right. backward masking stuff. Sky Jathani, he's the author of What's Wrong with Religion? Nine Things No One Told You About Faith. And Sky, it's been great to talk to you today about these issues of one reason why people might be skipping church. Thanks for being with us today. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. 
This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts.